the theme for the afternoon talk is uh, mindfulness, meditation and uh, the process. As mentioned uh, earlier, the application of uh, mindfulness can be directed to the three fields of time namely past, uh, present and future. They are significant, important uh, uh, areas of human exploration. There is a relationship to that consciousness lights upon, that is the mindfulness, uh, upon these three areas and much of our view of existence and the view of our self, so-called self, is related to how we view yesterday, today and tomorrow, actual and metaphorically speaking. The sustaining of the mindfulness here, making reference to it as a a meditation there. One could be unfortunate, but one could kind of draw the view that the body and the heart of the teachings is essentially being in the present moment, being mindful, being meditative and seeing what's going on uh, uh, But I would regard this as a rather restricted view. Uh, that particular view if it is any exclusivity to it, would eliminate the value and the importance of reflection, of inquiry, of thought. It would uh, obstruct an exploration of the processes of which are going on in our life. All of that would be eliminated, would serve no use if we got the idea and we imagine it's only and only about being in the here and now. And of course there's plenty of uh, uh, books uh, around who have adopted that, I call it, ideology. Uh, The restriction uh, of that in terms of being in the now, being in the present moment, uh, to me it sounds imprisoning, it doesn't sound liberating. So a human being, in the expansiveness and the potential that we have, can, so to speak, depart, as we do quite regularly, to what did arise, or what uh, might arise, or what uh, is arising, and Even that exploration, important uh, as it is, one's got to bear in mind here the general focus and direction of these teachings, which are teachings which is liberating. That the teachings, in a variety of ways, must contribute in life to the freeing of us up, to really free up the being. So when it comes to process, we engage in our practice, 
mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of uh, body, uh, care with the postures, and more. But we also, while all this is going on, need to see as well and clearly what kind of process or dynamic is going on uh, with that. And there is a movement, therefore, it has some time to it, and a threefold movement really worth watching, really taking notice of what is it that I have contact with, what is the feeling, that's the second aspect, that comes out of that contact, and what, if anything, is the wanting or the desiring or the needing which flows on from that. As I mentioned, we engage in our practice, mindfulness, meditation. We engage in the uh, uh, exploration of present moment, but also recognize past and future in the movement of life. But we also bring the mindfulness to bear on what we have contact with and what we make of that contact. What do we do with what we have contact with? Because the welfare of our being is related to what we have contact with and what emerges out of that contact. And there are several, but we might say six primary areas that human beings know that we have contact with, which generates in a feeling, which usually generates some wanting, needing, desiring, craving, habitual activity, addiction, or whatever. And five of them are fairly obvious because they're embedded with and in the body, including the body. So, what is it I have contact with, with my eyes? What is it with my ears, with nose and smell, taste, and uh, touch? And with these five areas, they make an impression. Contact is, means an impression. So if I sit here and I close my eyes and I open my eyes, uh, there is an impression. And the impression is of uh, light, ears are open, uh, the person's voice, good sounds of uh, saranath uh, going on uh, around, and much which we experience through the senses Quite often we recognize it, we may acknowledge that there is a bare feeling with it, and it kind of comes and goes, passes us by in the rhythms of the day. However, and there's a sixth one, I'll include that right now, and the sixth one is contact, we might call it, with aspects of our inner life. That means contact with what was, or what we think what was. Uh, contact in terms of what might be or will be with regard to the future, and the way we think about the present moment, the way we view it. So, there are the senses. Much of it is just coming and passing by day in and countless probably thousands of different kinds of momentary impressions touch our life, touch through us through the senses, 
perhaps some feelings recognized with some of them there. However, however, some of them are not quite like that. So in other words, there is the contact, there is the feeling, and then something starts to bubble up around what we have contact and feeling about. We have a memory. That memory can trigger from the memory, which is the impression or the contact, trigger a feeling there, and it triggers a really happy, pleasurable feeling from the past. Natural, human, joyful, satisfying, or whatever uh, it might be there. When the wanting comes in, trouble is in store. And the wanting which easily comes in, wow, I had that experience in the past, it was an amazing event in my life, and now I want to go and repeat it. And the wanting, there, this happens, this is the health warning here, it happens to people on retreats. So the person goes and does a retreat, Christopher or some other teacher or in India or whatever it might be, the memory comes, there's a contact with the last retreat, there's some, God I had some amazing insights, and fabulous place, food was five star, my practice was going, as we say in England, swimmingly well, uh, and all, all, all of that. And there is then the anticipation. There is the wanting. Mm. If I go, I'm going to go back to that same place where I had this amazing experience, I'm going to sit in exactly the same spot, I'm going to have exactly the same amount of food every day, I'm going to sit with my cross-legged or kneeling or chair posture exactly as I did before, and if I put all that together, like just as I did it before, then that's going to get me exactly what I had before. Oh. Oh, 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 the dream of humanity. <laughs> dear, oh dear. And then that doesn't happen. Someone's built up all this hope and this expectation and organized it and planned it or whatever, and it's a disaster. The consistent effort of human beings to try to have what was pleasurable and repeat it is problematic. Not the past. It's not the joy and the happiness and the recognition of it. It's the holding onto it. And the few times, a few is an English understatement. So a few times uh, over, over the years of sitting, I, I call it the, the throne. In English, if you don't know, the throne has two primary meanings. One is what the queen sits on. And, there are, and the other is the toilet. You can, you can take your choice. So, the person has come uh, on the retreat and she or he has given me an amazing description of some profound, illuminating, enlightening, liberating uh, experience. And, and then the person has said, you know, I really want to get back to that. They said, get 
back to it. Oh dear, oh dear. And so the person is doing everything possible to get back to something which was. It could be anything in your life. Be mindful of what you're trying to get back to. It may well have turned its back on you. So one wants to get back to uh, there. And then the effort and the trying uh, starts. And time to time, not very often, the person has become so identified with this precious, wonderful, marvellous experience and craves and wants it so much the voice has come out of this water and has said, you know something? It's a pity you ever had it in the first place. No matter how illuminating, insightful, profound and all the lovely spiritual words that are being used, the outcome of it is clinging, holding, wanting and dissatisfaction with everything else because one has grabbed something and made a whole uh, uh, pattern of holding around it. That happens. So, um, and similarly, there can be the attraction there to to the repetition and mindfulness is to be really watchful of that process and dynamic which takes place. And the second, of course, is there can be the painful experience of the past. That may be the long-distant past, it may be the recent past, or or both, uh, in fact. And so one is quietly getting on with the day, with the process there. Once again, there's contact. That contact may not have been deliberate, it doesn't require your intentionality or my intentionality to go to the past and find the pain that is, or the trauma or the conflict or whatever. In the movements of the inner life there's enough space, enough um, relaxation, enough mindfulness, we might say, there, which gives the opportunity for that which may have been neglected or ignored to suddenly emerge. So there's the contact, there's the memory, the sensations of it. As I mentioned yesterday to you, the body remembers. Sometimes it's held in the body. Relaxation comes in the body, the process, and then whoop, it's right there, as it were, in one's face. That difficult painful period of time and from that obviously there is no force of attraction to want to keep it one is not saying oh wonderful I can now have an opportunity to repeat my trauma or my pain or my anguish or my conflict but the opposite force then arises in relationship to what was very easily. It's called aversion. One resists. I don't want to have this. I don't want to experience this. And the will and the pressure engages in a conflict with the unresolved 
because it's painful and that pressure not wanting to have wanting it to go away impacts on that pain on that anguish and that trauma and the resistance to it doubles it it's tough enough to deal with as it is the aversion towards it increases it it isn't easy to accommodate the anguish and the pain of what of what is old so we see in both cases the pleasurable contact feeling happy joyful feeling and some cases clinging and holding on to contact unpleasant feeling very unpleasant feeling wanting again in this case wanting it to go away so mindfulness and clarity and insight in the observation of the human experience is learning to recognize what is it i'm wanting to hold and keep and repeat be very mindful of this force it's a strong one and the other what is it i'm wanting to get rid of and have aversion to and uh, get away from so one is wanting to keep and maintain and the other is wanting to st- for it to stop these two are like a plague on human existence these two forces in human life they truly generate a lot a lot of difficulty and our practice and our exploration is to find the experience of happiness to know and respect it in the past to be grateful for those moments of happiness that you and I have known to work with the difficulties there see if we can dissolve it so we can make allowances for the movement of the old in this case the painful old it may arise and have enough space enough mindfulness enough practices enough kindness enough friendship around enough skills around to be able to work with it so that we're not living in the spell a rather strong one sometimes of attraction and aversion if that spell is over liberation is extraordinarily close at hand extraordinarily close what a time so close oh very kind thank you so much thank you sideways step <clears throat> we have seen and possibly witnessed in documentaries on television programs and in photo and in photographs the massive massive pollution of our oceans our seas and our rivers with this stuff which is called plastic the plastic has infected the water so much it has also affected infected the very fish live in the waters so now one has two good reasons to stop eating fish one is love of fish and let them enjoy the freedom of the ocean as much as possible and uh, the other 
don't include uh, plastic in your diet because you do if you eat fish. Alright, lecture over. Contact, <laughs> feeling, <coughs> desire, aversion, contact, feeling, desire and attraction, uh, uh, which, is, uh, which is there. And sometimes in the dynamics um, of uh, all, all of this, um, there's uh, movement and, and activity here, here in the present, and there is contact, eyes and uh, ears going on in the living uh, present. It's not at all unusual, I've listened to countless counts of this, where one is in a retreat, a couple of days have gone by, or three or four days, or whatever it might be, uh, have gone by, and our eyes and ears, in a kind of small way, get to recognize and know uh, the fellow Dharma Wallers uh, on, the, on the retreat uh, there. It doesn't take much in the world of contact and feeling for something get to get triggered in, in the side and I'm sure most of us, all of us uh, have no, noticed this where one or two people for a whole variety of reasons get kind of selected, kind of picked out. It wasn't that it was so deliberate or uh, in, intentional but it happens uh, there. So in the old days, the old days, um, it used to be called VVs and VRs. So, and it used to do the rounds here, here, and there. So the VVV is Vipassana, and uh, VR. So VV is Vipassana villain. Everybody know what a villain is, and. VR is Vipassana Romance and both have their elements of attraction and aversion in them uh, uh, there. So one's get quietly getting on with one's practice and one's uh, meditation there is a contact you might see this other person, you might hear the other person or, or whatever and one can't explain it to oneself. There's an immediate reaction. One's decided, even though one's never seen the person before in one's whole life, never said a word to the person, decided right from the start one doesn't like this person. This poor person's just here, they're doing their practice, having no idea that someone is gunning for them who's on the retreat. And it might just be they took a little you know, a couple of centimetres extra of the yoghurt and that's just unforgivable. You know, or whatever it might be, it might, it, whatever it might be, it might be that, you know, that they drop their spoon and God how unmindful that person is. And, you know, all the, all the contact feeling and the reactivity there. But it sticks. See, that's the trouble. It, 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 it's immediate, but it sticks in the mind. And one is just waiting for this person just to do something, you know, they, they come in two minutes late, oh, I knew it'd be him. <laughs> the reaction starts. This person has no idea that they're, you know, that as far as this 
person is concerned that the villain is clearly an abuser of human rights. Ramon's really got it in for this poor poor person quietly meditating, minding their own business uh, there. So these are little things. From contact, there's a feeling. And somehow or other, on memory, on archetype, on image, on picture, on reactivity, it moves and it lands on the other. The VV there. there. And it quite frequently happens that come the end of the retreat when there's a little bit of communication going on and one is absolutely does not want to speak to this person because they're criminals. Uh, uh, And a chance momentary conversation takes place and in a single moment a few words are shared and one thinks, oh my God, I've just spent the last week in a personal hate campaign towards this woman or towards this man on this, uh, or the teacher for that matter. <laughs> Might be even thought, no, it would never be thought, I'm not a child, but anyway. <laughs> uh, there. And suddenly, on communication with the person, you say, wow, this person's such a warm person, such a kind. Where did all this aversion come from? Well, it's got nothing to do with this other human being in front of me. It's just this reactivity there. And rather, same way with these Vipassana romances uh, that uh, take place. person just quietly doing their retreat, not knowing that someone sitting near or close at hand or beside them is having the biggest love affair of their whole life and they're planning their entire future together and this person still quietly doing their meditation practice has no idea that their husband and wife is sitting next to them <laughs> or, you know, their, or, or their lover for Dr. James right after the retreat or whatever it might be just power, the potency contact, feeling, wanting attraction and it's just landed on some poor innocent person who's just come to meditate hasn't come here to fall in love or, or, or whatever. And it only takes small things to intensify that attraction. It only has to take that the person who's fallen in love puts their shoes and the other person happens to put their shoes <laughs> besides them. It's cosmic. It has profound significance. The two pairs of shoes are so close together that we are meant to be together. It's obvious. Look. There's the proof. Sent by God. <laughs> and if and if they're in this one behind the other in the queue, I mean that is really something. That that I mean they're getting close to touch there and whoa. Energy is really a person. Some people they, the energy is so moving, so madly in love with the person in front that they, 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 they can't, can't even get the food onto their plate properly because they're shivering with excitement. All this is, this is the world of Vipassana villains and Vipassana romance based on contact, feeling, uh, attraction or contact, feeling, aversion uh, there. And it's just to watch this, to really catch this uh, there, because it's a genuinely a phenomenon. And sometimes you come to the end of the retreat, then the reverse happens. One completely in love with this person. 
and all the imagination has been running through day by day and then it just takes one conversation oh what was going on with me or whatever whatever the person spoke at the end of the treat was not in the best of moods and oh etc so things shift in the moment and this learning to be mindful of the process that's all sometimes you know, people appear very pleasant of course and it's precious and lovely sometimes people are difficult and it's unpleasant yes of course that's all going on but the exaggeration the intensification of it is trouble in store that is the problem and when that happens you know, with, between individuals it's difficult enough but what about when sometimes based on an individual it, it expands itself what about the stereotyping of people what about the anti-semitism, the Islamophobia uh, that takes place, the homophobia that takes place, the discrimination against groups, um, against minorities. What about that? Isn't that based on contact? Sometimes not any authentic contact, contact in the mind, generating some ugly feelings, generating some aversion, generating some discrimination, generating some um, marginalization generating war there can't be a war without contact feelings and aversion can't be domestic violence without it so it's a really important thing that women and men on the earth really explore this because women and men and children have just suffered too much now, another member of the family the grandson a couple of He's 19 years old. And uh, my, I have four grandchildren. And all, all four are Anglo-Caribbean. As I said, they call it mixed, mixed race. Absolutely, I love them to bits. Great kids. The oldest is uh, 19, the youngest is four or five years, four years of age. So, Nashona, single mum with the four, uh, took, went with Kai, the 19-year-old, to uh, the dentist. This is just two or three weeks ago. And the dentist, the receptionist, was in a really kind of agitated kind of mood. And... My daughter said, everything okay. And then she said, my, my, just background here, my daughter works with the communities of people. The communities of people have wonderful immigrants and asylum seekers and refugees. She works with families in great distress. She uh, works with the, the various uh, religious groups. She works with the persecuted. She works with harmony between communities and people of ethnic background and much, much more. So you know, she's a voice, that's her world, that's what she does. And the woman said, the receptionist says to her, 
well, you know what these Muslims are like. And my daughter looked, and my grand, and then and then my grandson said to her, not angrily, you know, he's Anglo-Caribbean, mixed race, you know, young man. He said to her, "What are Muslims like?" Sharp question already. What are Muslims like? She said, "Well, they come in here and they're demanding, and then." The service we give is not good enough and they're wanting their money back and that's what these Muslims are like. And my grandson said to her quietly, he said, um, after I finish my A-level exams in June, I'm going to Thailand for two or three months before I go to university. He said this very quietly, not angrily. And he said, the reason that I'm going, he said, is because I'm tired of listening to you white people constantly complaining about other people. Mm-hmm. Rumour went rather quiet. And when finished with the, the dentist and mother and son went out, Kai, my grandson, uh, then his mother said to him, he said to my mum, to my daughter, said to his mum, why didn't you say something? And the Shona said, I think you said enough for the two of us. <laughs> and the, a couple of weeks before, because he, he's sharp, he has a good, a good a sharp sense of humour, so he rang up uh, the Shona from the college where he's doing his exams, and he said to her, oh, mum, I forgot my sandwiches and my juice. Can you just bring it over? It's about five minute drive. And then she said to him, you forgot them a few days ago and you forgot them. I'm fed up with bringing them over. You can go round the corner shop near the college. You go and buy a sandwich. You go and buy a, a juice. I'll give you the money when you go. I'm not keep running over. You're 19 years old. You're a man. You've got to take responsibility. So, so he had to go to the corn shop. He came home that evening. His mum said to him, you know, she said, I'm always doing the washing up in this house. You never do the washing. Never do the washing up. It's your turn. You've got to do the washing up. Do you know what he said to her? He was laughing, you know, he said to her, that's the trouble with you white people. You want us blacks still to be your slave. <laughs> <laughs> so his mum rings me up and she tells me, uh, tells me the, 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 the story. And in sometimes in the, all, all of this with good humour, you know, and... Um, with the, uh, 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 with, with the family. Sometimes a little bit of humour is just a kind of generate something. So rather than anger and blame, you know, there's a joke, there's a bit of humour, he does the, the washing up, he's, he's made an eccentric uh, point or, or whatever. We need in, to, in our communities and in our contacts, in our feelings, 
that where we see this wanting, wanting, as I mentioned, or this reaction, reaction, as, as I mentioned, to catch it early, is there an original response that can come out of the being? Tradition has spoken regularly of original mind. An original mind means something fresh and, and different and unexpected to come out in our communications uh, 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 with, with each other. So we move out of this stereotyping, out of this fixing of the other into a position. And, and therefore that needs that expansive awareness which the tradition an open awareness which has such deep meaning when it's really understood and really applied uh, there so to change the climate that we are living in and in fact uh, living through as well in the exploration here of the world of the contact and the feeling and the uh, desire yeah. it's in the language, just for a moment, uh, 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 with you, it's important, and this is in the subtlety, it's therefore not so easy to follow here. Something touches us. And we feel something. It's precious. And there is a wish to respond to it, to engage to do something and plenty of times in our uh, lives including coming here and much much more so out of the circumstances it might be a conversation with another it might be something um, that uh, we read or something which kind of just come out of our being there quite spontaneously and it brings about a wish to do so there's the intention there's a feeling there the original feeling may be pleasant or unpleasant there you know, some of us who are activists who are campaigners um, mostly come out of an unpleasant feeling about a situation we just feel somewhere or other we need to do something comes out of the feeling we need to do something and we act and that feeling uh, inside in this case a very healthy healthy unpleasant feeling about a situation which is a feeling which has probably moved most human beings to do beautiful and precious things in life out of this unpleasant feeling there. and it brings about an intention and an action this is where the language is important. You say, a person may say, oh, that's just desire. You want to do something. And in everyday English, it might be. But in Dharma, because it's got the position, which English never had, there is the feeling, yes. There's the intention, yes. And there is the action, the engagement or uh, the, the doing there and one recognises and knows and that it has a value of itself maybe called sharing, kindness, compassion generosity, 
dedication, commitment, creativity, and much, much more. And liberation is a liberation of the best out of our being. There's no liberation if it's not bringing the best out of us. So a liberation or a waking up is the same thing. It's liberating. It's freeing up um, there. And that freeing up, which is so precious, freeing up to be without depression, freeing up to be happy, freeing up to offer service to others, freeing up to meditate. And desire, in the Dharma language, is problematic in that desire carries with it ego. It carries with it wanting. And with the ego, the self, and the wanting wrapped around it, there is increasing dependency on result. That's what, that's what the ego does. Can there be an intent feeling, intention, a doing, an engagement, uh, communication, uh, a service, whatever that may be about, and it has a validity unto itself and this means in the relationship uh, to it it's not about getting what I want it's just not about that it's not about me wanting to feel good about myself it's not about pursuing to do something so that others approve of us. One has looked at all of the vulnerability of that, constant effort for self-approval, it may come, it may not. One has looked at the constant effort to do things, to uh, be loved, be liked, be approved of by others, and we see how vulnerable other people's states of mind are just as vulnerable as our own. We can't rely on ourselves to be always approving of ourselves and we, my God, we cannot rely on others to be always approving of us. We see the madness of it. And therefore we're finding, not easy, an exploration in life in which the value is in the action. It's in the voice. It's in what we do. It's in what we write there. And the value of that is recognised and it doesn't get exploited to make me feel good. It doesn't get exploited, it doesn't exploit the others to get a feedback. Some of you, some of us, including this wallet, <coughs> have the uh, privilege in life of some um, authority. The word authority in its um, original meaning is actually from an old 13th century French word. And it carries the same tone and 
message, language, authority, author, authentic. And the root of the word is to create. It means to make something happen. Uh, and when you and I, in a healthy and beneficial way, make something happen, we feel this is authentic. We are the author, there's a creation of the activity there, there. And with that, there's a certain authority to act, to respond. And this movement of, of authority and authentic uh, and to make uh, things uh, happen is the precious and wonderful potential of human beings. And in these kind of circles, especially the sitting on the throne circles and all, uh, uh, all of that, hopefully it's not a, an issue here, is the duty, which is the dharma, of uh, the so-called teacher, uh, there, in its imparting teachings, practices and forms, has with it, because of the deep value for the movement, the recognition of its authenticity, there, the teachings and the practices, they work, and correspondingly it's giving encouragement for the empowerment of human beings to really explore, in this case mindfulness, meditation, reflection, the process uh, of things, and to as it were, direct the responsibility in that direction, i.e. in your direction. So the authority of the teacher is a temporary role or a temporary position there with a view towards the engagement and the support for others. And it's a very different relationship in sometimes the visible form, you will know both east and west, will appear to the eye to be very, very familiar. A group of people, one person is sitting a bit higher so that the voice can carry to those of you in the back lines to see you. It's a little bit more difficult if I'm just sitting on the floor. There, that's the only purpose uh, for this. And in some situations, that gap between the one with the privilege of the sitting here and those who are sitting at the lower level, that gap sadly and unfortunately creates another kind of gap. So instead of human beings here relating to each other as adults and as friends, and in an, an engagement, it happens, and it happens a lot, that the devotees easily lose and sacrifice their own quiet authority 
and it is handed over to the other who is on the throne. And this loss of authority through devotion to me is a credible corruption of what liberation is about. It, sometimes it, it's almost puerile, meaning childish. It's almost parental. And that lends itself to the widening of the gap between the authority and the practitioners. And it's not to draw in devotion. It's not to so some hole, H-O-L-E, some gap inside is being filled up by getting lots of loving attention from, uh, from the devotees. It's not, a, it's not a, a, a healthy environment. An environment of inquiry and uh, uh, exploration there and the sharing which takes place is one in which the communication is a communication for the welfare and benefit, for the liberation and the awakening of each, per, uh, each person there. And just to tread very, very carefully, there are things in life worth being devoted to, but a human being, never. Never. dreadful waste and if you are going to be devoted to a human being in the way that I've just been speaking please ensure that he or she is dead they're safer there's less likelihood of being let down they can't make mistakes they can't get themselves into a lot of hot water due to power, money and sex they're dead so go for the safe ones if you're going to be devoted <laughs> but even the safe ones including Sid behind Sid's shorthand for Siddhartha <laughs> he refuted it he gave them support to all of this devotion, 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 like, 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 like this. We're women and men of the earth, we're adults, we're human beings, we have our integrity and our dignity. Why lower ourselves in the face of the other? Dear, oh dear. I remember once, if I may say on this, uh, IMS, Brian, you know, you know IMS, well, <clears throat> and I was expressing concern um, around some uh, one or two, not by name, it's not my style, but um, about gurus and the kind of empire building and demand for devotion and all of that. And I took into the Dharma Hall a roll of toilet paper and then spoke about this gap gurus and disciples and the gap uh, looking up to 
and forgetful of one's own quiet authority as a human being. Uh, so in the middle of it, because there's the line down the middle, so those at the front, and can look, I got the roll of the toilet paper and with a great sweep rolled it right down the line and I was so happy it, it went right out. And people, and they said, if you do find yourself in a very supplicant, devotional, oh, Dalai Lama, oh, Ajahn Tata, oh, Zen Master Tata, oh, Guri. I said, just remember one thing, the roll of toilet paper. It's used daily by all those, by all of us. For a privilege, we can afford it. And therefore, where's in the heart and in devotion and in the expression? I think devotion to people, animals in the environment is a very powerful devotion. Devotion to teachings and practices are very, very powerful. Devotion towards a really full, rich and diverse life is really worth being devoted to. Devoted to the depth of experience and to uncover and discover what we can find as a human being. That, to me, really worth being devoted to. And that gives plenty of remarkable opportunities for us in our life and in our service to ourselves and in our service to others. That, yes, there is a real place for devotion. Ajahn Buddhadasa, my teacher, one of my teachers, <clears throat> rather famous one-liner of his, he said, religion he said is he said, candles remember it right, candles, flowers, incense, mantras, and temples is religion for thumb-sucking kids. Doesn't mince words. I remember listening and thought, yes, nice one. And he refused to allow a temple in the rain in the subtropical rainforest in southern Thailand. They wanted to build a temple and he wouldn't, wouldn't allow it. Sky above, earth below, that's the roof and the floor of the temple and the trees are the pillars. So we had the Dharma Hall, had some kind of spiritual theatre, but no flowers, candles and incense. So sometimes, though that has a, can have a genuinely real place, we're living in a Thai monastery, I have a huge immense appreciation for uh, uh, religious life, if I may say, co-founder of an interreligious, interfaith school in uh, Budgaya and Moa. Uh, uh, but when it comes to mindfulness, deep exploration and liberation, all of that has to be on much more minor in the consideration. Teachings and practices, let, let, them, let them take priority. Do not get stuck with one teacher. 
keep it diverse, keep it open. So contact and appreciation and exploration and keep the vitality of it alive. And then you'll be fine. And you won't get stuck. And liberation is freedom from being stuck. All right, enough. Let's have a quiet minute, shall we? May all beings explore life. May all beings abide with a quiet inner authority. May all beings live with love and liberation. Thank you very much everyone for uh, lending